Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. God is the God out of time. He's the timeless God. But we have a God of perfect time. The perfect timing God. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, keep moving this service, Father. We're here to be encouraged. We're here to be reminded of the truth of the gospel. We're here to receive faith for what you have in store for us as family, for us as church. And we believe, Holy Spirit, that all those promises that once were released upon us, prophetic, specific words we receive in our hearts, maybe through a supernatural experience, you are reminding us this year. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that these promises turn into reality, Father. Let us not only have hope and expectation for something that is not real. I pray, Holy Spirit, that they will take place even this year. The year of acceleration. The year that you are moving things fast. Faster in our lives. So fill our hearts with faith. That's all you need to turn those promises in, in reality. Give us faith through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Are you guys ready for the word? So, again, I was thinking on what I will, how I'm going to close this series because I had so much to share still. And I said, no, no, let, let's, let's really make a conclusion on this series. And I was going back in our seven messages. And all of them, I had thoughts that I didn't have time enough to share. So I made a collection of those thoughts and I prepared this message for you guys today. And, but we're going to emphasize two stories that I had very little time to share in the past messages. But before, let me introduce you to this realm of timelessness. Let me try to bring you out of this four space-time dimension. That we are limited by height, depth, and width. And also time. Let us get out of this realm of time, of time limit, the Kronos time, and let's go to the Kairos time of God. And, and for that, you have to have your spirit ready because this does not fit your mind. This is your brain. It's, it's not able to fathom this reality. Right now, I want to stir up the spiritual man and woman of God in this room. Come on, somebody. But you have to be ready because our God is the God of everlasting to everlasting. This is what the prophet Isaiah said in verse 15 of chapter 57. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. Now again, even this, this concept of eternity... It's when we try to define in our dictionaries, we say someone or something that there has no beginning, but also has no end. And because we had a beginning, and most of us are, are very aware that this body has an end, we think 
very limit, time limit way. But our God inhabits the eternity. Whose name is holy. There is nothing or no one else or nothing else that can compare to God. I love this song that says, He is matchless. There is no category, there is no speech or kind that our God fits in. He is out of any categorization that mankind can make. He is holy, He is timeless. I dwell, says the Lord, in the high and holy place. And also with Him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. In other words, our God is so great, is so amazing, so almighty, so omniscient, so omnipotent. But in the same time, He stepped in time. He comes to us and becomes personal. He is not only the almighty God distant, so uh, impossible to reach, that we just wonder about Him. No, no, He is our Father. And this God that is timeless and the creator of all things, sometimes He moves in our time, bringing glimpses of His eternal time. Those moments were proof in the Bible that God, the omnipotent and sovereign God, is, is still willing to do things fast in our lives today. That's why Amos chapter 9 verse 13 which is this prophetic word upon us this year, reminds us that there are days coming. Coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the trader of grapes, him who sows the seeds. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. How the plowman, the sower, will be overtaken by the reaper. Only the God out of time can shorten time and space dimension. So in a sense, the marking of time is irrelevant to God because He transcends it. The Lord does not count time as we do. He is above and outside the sphere of this dimension. Psalm 90 verse 2, Moses in this very a controversial psalm and very paradoxical uh, expression of limits of human nature in God outside of this limitation. He writes in verse 2, Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, you God, you are from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Say amen everybody. So God always was and God always will be. God is His Spirit. Therefore, He's not matter. He's not substance. He's not limited to His space. But also, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is timeless. And that's why in this attribute of timelessness, God can promise us Really mind-boggling promises like Joel chapter 2. That says, I will restore to you the ears that the swarming locusts has eaten. 
the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, my great army which I send among you. God can restore years. Now, we all know that once you lost time, you can't recover time. But this is for the world. This is not for you. Because your God, the timeless God, He can restore your time. He can give you strength. He can give you vision. He can give you youth again because He commands time. And because is in this, because God is in this realm that we are not yet, but because we allow by faith, this reality taking place, we also can read verses in the New Testament like 2 Timothy chapter 1. That God call us to a holy calling. Not because of the works, our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. But when, when did God call us? Which God gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Because He was then, there, in the eternal past, and he saw us already. So I know this attribute of God is very hard to fathom, to fit in our brains. But again, let me insist with this. God is not unreachably transcend that he cannot become personal for us. He is right now in this place. Because before any one of you guys came through this building, there were a devotional time in the foyer that everybody that is serving, all these teenagers and, you know, high schoolers that are serving today, we are crying out for the presence of God. And we have a promise from Jesus that said when two or more cry out in His name, that presence, again, the Kairos presence, the eternal presence, the holy presence will enter into time because we call the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. And because we praise His name, you felt His presence. Because you worship His name, you perceive that the air in this place is not just any kind of air. It's because of the atmosphere of the presence of God. So, again, we're going to look to these two stories that are going to be reminded that God stepping time. And my goal here is not only to make you wonder and be really filled with concepts about theology and, and, and philosophy. My idea here from the beginning of this series is to fill your heart with faith. To believe big. To trust boldly that God will accelerate things in your life this year. Come on somebody. So let's go to the story of Joshua. We all know this great hero of faith. He is the successor of Moses, faithful servant. He starts his book saying that Joshua, the servant of Moses, the servant of God. The, the adjective that Joshua carries, he's a servant of Moses, a man of God. But the book ends uh, nicknaming him in a different way. Now Joshua, after leading the, uh, uh, the conquering of the promised land, now ends the book saying, Joshua, the man of God. Joshua, the servant of God. And in the beginning of this process, of this journey of conquering the land, because of the size and the might of the people of Israel, and also all the testimonies that they carry about this Yahweh God, 
this mighty God that opens seas and delivers the, the Israelites from their enemies. And because they hear about the walls of Jericho, destruction, and how these, these nomadic people became this strong army, some nations are very afraid, specifically the Gibeonites. And they trick the people of Israel into make a covenant with them. And after they make this covenant with Israel, now they feel safe. But, but the problem is that the Gibeonites belong to a culture of enemies, of uh, fears and bad nations, specifically the Amorites. So when the Amorites find out that the Gibeonites are making covenant with the Israelites, I know it's a lot of ites, and they start to fight against the Gibeonites. And that's the story where Joshua, a man of faith, a man of prayer, knows that the God out of time will make a miracle. Joshua chapter 10, verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear the Amorites, the enemies, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Now, it's important to know this because Joshua, it's for the first time being attacked. So far, he attacked, he invaded, he took the land. But now, five nations or five city kings are attacking the Israelites. The, Amor uh, the Amorites are coming over the Israelites. But God speaks with Joshua in this past expression he says I have given you these enemies I have given the victory already now this is important because we're gonna see God fighting for Israel with hailstones from God but the sword of Israel now this balance is important because I believe God will accelerate promises in your life but you have a part on the fulfillment of those promises. And what part we have, it's very important you to understand. Let's go again to Joshua chapter 10. Now verse 11. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones, hail stones from heaven on them, as far as Azekah. And they died. They were more who died. Because of the hailstones. Than the sons of Israel. Killed with the sword. So God has decided. On the outcome. But Israel. Must still do some hard fighting. Definitely. Most of the job. Is God. Is the old tale of the ant and the elephant. And after the ant above the elephant cross all over the forest, breaking trees and barriers, the ant tapped the elephant's shoulder and said, you and I are invincible. Yeah, definitely they are. It's pretty much our feelings with God, right? It, God throws hailstone over the enemies and we use our sword for what? Just to be part of the glory. 
God allows that because He wants us to celebrate the victory. So, and I know it is, it is hard to understand the whole context, but think with me. Joshua got into a fight because of these Gibeonites. These people that were not even part of the people of Israel. But now Joshua was forced into a battle that made them to conquer almost 30 miles square feet of land that maybe Joshua will place into a schedule of conquering. But that's what happens. When we are faithful to our covenant, pay attention to what I'm saying. When, when you are loyal, when you are faithful to the relationships God place in your life, you're going to have your territory expanded. Joshua chapter 9 says that Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with those people, with the Gibeonites. Verse 19 says that all the leaders said, We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we may not touch them. So there was a covenantal relationship here. But when we are loyal to the relationships, when we are loyal and faithful to our word, we gave to our spouse, we gave to our children. And can I be open with you guys? That we gave to our church. When we are loyal mainly to the relationships that involves covenant, don't think you're wasting time. Pastor, this husband is making me slow. I could be a better entrepreneur. Uh, pastor, this wife, she just drags me and I can't just move faster. Don't think that if you leave your spouse out, you're going to run faster. You're going to conquer more. Don't think that giving up from the relationship in your life group, you're going to grow faster. No, no, Joshua, because he decided to fulfill the oath he made, the vow he made, the Lord created a circumstance that made him conquer more than he was scheduled to conquer. I don't know if you're getting this revelation, my brother, but I know some of you guys that thought that giving up of that person, forgetting about their relationship and breaking the covenant will make me more successful. But you are right now alone and you are now depressed and you feel stuck. If you just kept yourself faithful to the covenant, to the oath you made, to the vow you proclaimed, God will create ways for you to conquer faster and expand your territory. So Israel acquired a foothold in the central Canaan, controlling the major east-west corridor from the Jordan through the central hills to the coast while it was standing for their own word. So this is God creating opportunities in the middle of our battles. Pastor, I feel stuck. I feel slow this year. Don't think that because you are fighting, you are in a trial, you are still. God is moving you forward even when you don't notice. So notice that God sent hail stones over the enemies. But the most incredible miracle we did not read yet. Joshua chapter 10, verse 13. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. 
And this is not, is this not written in the book of Shafar, Jafar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been not, no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. I know it's a huge cosmic miracle in which the earth seemed to be still. It ceased to rotate. As a physicist, I have no idea how this happened. And I'm not going to enter in the controversial territory of you know, thousands of years of his scholars trying to explain that. Because most of the explanations, they just create more difficulties. I'm just going to consider what it seemed to be the agenda of the author or the scribe that wrote the book of Joshua. Time was controlled. That's the point. But how? And why? What initiated that, that cosmic, supernatural miracle? Prayer. Prayer moves the time. And, and, and I know you never, maybe some of you guys are wondering, is that really something I should pay attention? If you're wondering about this, it's because you never prayed with all your heart and all with your mind. Now, if you really had that crying, that deep prayer encounter with God, you know that time moves different. You, you experience a, a different perception of time. And that's why it's so hard sometimes to convince people to pray for 10 minutes. Because in your mind, it's such a waste of long time. But I don't see any problem for praying one to two hours a day. Because when I pray, it's like 10 minutes for me. Because when I pray, I really encounter this eternal reality coming to my reality. But you have to experience that. And I dare you to experience this during the 21 days. Come and join us. Come us and, and pray with us at least one morning or one evening. And you're going to notice that one hour passed like a snap of a finger. If you really pray. So the whole point here is that God heeded the voice of a man. Jeremiah chapter 29. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord... Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. This is Jeremiah writing before the people of Israel was led into captivity in Babylon. And the whole city of Jerusalem is destroyed. And they were hopeless. And now God is prophesying. Even there in captivity, I have a better future for you. But then God, in the words of the prophet, says, how are you going to enjoy this better future? The prophet keeps saying, verse 12, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I'll hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Have you ever sought the Lord? 
with all your heart, without consulting your social media while you say your prayers? Have you ever really had this seeking the Lord with all your heart experience? The time seemed useless, seemed something that it doesn't affect you anymore. Verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I want this kind of miracle, this cosmic, cosmic miracle taking place among us. In a such a way that if I need more time to conclude a project, God, we're going to stop the earth if needed. Or if I need to accelerate process, God will spin the earth even faster. I don't, I don't know how God does that. And we don't need to understand the house of God. I just need to know that God heeds to my prayer. That God listens to my prayer. Now there's another character. We all know him. A great prophet, Elijah. We share about him a few weeks ago. And the context here is paganism. Going inside of the nation of Israel. And the people already saw God showing his glory in Mount Carmel. But it's still the, the king Ahab and his wife Jezebel is just bringing this wrong culture among the people. And Elijah has to stand to show even a greater sign of God's sovereign and power. First King chapter 17 Chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tish, Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab the king, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Wow. In other words, Elijah more than predicts a drought. He decrees a drought. And this again, it speaks about powerful, authority-filled prayer. It's people that learn how to decree the will of God on earth. It's people that really knows God's heart and now they just proclaim on earth and it takes place. Say amen, everybody. So I want you to be bold enough to pray to God for a change of time in your life. A change of time in your family. And maybe you join us for a change of time in our city. Because I need Elijah's. I need prophets in this house. James chapter 5 verse 17 tells us Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently. Say with me, pray fervently. Come on, say again, pray fervently. So it's not whispering. It's not just, you know, in your mind. You know, when people want to say good words, they say, I, I was thinking so much about you. It's not only thinking about a person, but praying fervently for someone. To be saved, to be restored, that family mended together, that marriage restored, that kid being delivered. Whatever it is, pray fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. 
So what do you expect to change in your life this year? Oh, Pastor, I have a list of things that needs to change in my family. I have a list of things that really needs to, you know, some sort of God's divine intervention here. So it follows, it begs the question. Did you pray about it? Are you praying fervently about it? Now, the next chapter, chapter 18, here in 1 Kings, is even more interesting. Because now the God, the God out of time and space will do something amazing. Verse 41. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of, of the rushing of rain. This is after three years. The priests, prophets and prophetess of Baal and Astaroth, they already sacrificed to their idols. The land is dry, is almost becoming a desert. They are desperate because there is no resources for the livestock. They have nothing to do, so they pray to this God of fertility, Baal. And they make sacrifice, maybe even human sacrifice, to these deity and false gods that represents demons. And nothing happens. But suddenly, after three years, the prophet Elijah comes back into scene and says, there is rain coming. So Ahab, verse 42, went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of the mountain Carmel. And he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. Oh, that is fervently prayer. That is an expression of fervently prayer. Which, by the way, it, it also uh, encourages us to have expressions in the service. Not only just come and watch a service, but really participate. Raise your hands. If you need it, kneel before the Lord. Or even do what Elijah did. Just put your head inside of your knees and pray fervently. And he said to his servant, go up now. Look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times persistently. I'm going to pray until it take place. The Lord spoke in my heart. I had the promise upon my family. I have this word that is hovering, that is upon my family for years. Why does not take place? Look, Elijah pray persistently. But pastor, God already said, why does not take place? Because he needs a fervent prayer. Everything God does in on earth, he does because somebody prayed fervently, prayed persistently. But, but it's not like already determined by God. That's the problem of the, 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 the problem of determinism in theology. The extreme of determinism makes this kind of passive Christianity. And it's this passive Christian that makes a lot of even, you know, good, in, how can I say? They, they have good intention. They are willful learners of the Bible. But they go in extremes that we don't see in the heroes of faith practicing. In other words, because God is sovereign and because God is omniscient, is all determined. Yes and no. Because we see the heroes of faith applying their faith, their life, their tears, their sweat. They are crying their time before God for all His sovereign plan to take place. Amen. I've seen the time there. Time is horrible, right? Time limiting us is so bad. 
but I'll say this story. Here's Daniel. He, he opens the scrolls of Jeremiah. And he reads, Jeremiah prophesied 70 years. And we are in captivity for more than 70 years. Did the word of the Lord fail to fulfill? Did the, the promises of God fail to take place? The Bible says that he wrote the scrolls and he prayed fervently for 21 days. And the promises of God in the scroll became a reality. But God said before, but it needs someone to pray. You have words upon your life. I know you have. You receive that promise about your family, about your marriage. You have that promise about that business. Why does not take place? Because you are binging on Netflix. Waiting to take place in a providential way without a prayer. It will not happen. It will not happen. You have to pray. Cry it out before the Lord. The Bible keeps saying, let's go to the story. Sorry for the parentheses. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, verse 44, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind. And there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord. Everybody say with me. The hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was with on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now all his scholars sees that as, a, again, a cosmic miracle. A breaking of time and space dimension. They don't explain. And you should not explain as well. You just should believe that when God wants to bring good news, He accelerates things. He moves things fast. Very fast. Yes, if you are a comic books like I am person, he was teleported. Elijah was teleported. It is in your Bible. So you don't need to, to read any comic books anymore. Just read your Bible. It is true. He was moved out of space and time dimension. How? Because the hand of the Lord was in Elijah. To do what? To proclaim the good news. Now pay attention here because without this you're going to miss the point. For three years there is no rain. And we have the prophetess and the prophets and the priests of Baal and Astaroth. Doing all kinds of nasty sacrifices. Somebody needs to proclaim to the wicked king Ahab. That the rain that was coming was not the result of the prayers and the sacrifices to the idols. But God Almighty, the timeless God, moved heaven and earth and brought that rain and brought that refreshment. You know, when people are suffering, 
when people are having this grinding pain in their bodies. If you ever got sick, you know how bad sickness is. That's the worst curse this earth have. You just don't have energy, health. And people come to me and ask all the time for prayer. But I know when people that have chronic disease or pain in their bodies for years, man, they are asking for prayer for everybody. To pastors, to, you know, religious priests, to all kinds of witchcraft, mystic people as well. Whatever, from whatever or whenever comes the relief they are receiving. Somebody has to stand and say, the miracle, the healing, the relief that you are experiencing, it is God's intervention. Because I pray for you. Because I brought your name before the Lord. Now, let's emphasize here a little bit more. Because if Hussein Bolt, the fastest man on earth, in his top speed runs 27 miles per hour, a horse can run the double, 55 miles per hour. But we have this prophet, simple, simple man with our same nature, says James, running faster than the horses. Which makes us to quote... Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. If you raced with men on foot and they have weird you, how will you compete with horses? What I'm trying to say is we need to be strengthened by the Lord, empowered by the Lord to proclaim good news. To have God's speed. To run faster than the horses. Faster than the bad news that this world always brings. And before CNN or social media proclaims something, you are this futurist. This person that has the final word to proclaim. That God is in the move. God is on the move to save the lost. That God is on the move to bring salvation through you, through your life group. You know these empty chairs you have around you? They are not meant to be empty. But some prophet has to rise up in this church to proclaim good news and fill up these chairs. To bring people to your life group. And I know some of you guys, Pastor, but still my friends, they are not open to church. But I know they are open for a meal at your house. They are open for an invitation for a party of a life group that happens every week. So invite people. Be the prophet that proclaims the good news. We remember the story of Philip, the evangelist that also was teleported, that also moved faster than space-time dimensions allow and he ran faster because he proclaimed the gospel because we like the children of God we are not limited by the natural dimensions of this world John chapter 3 verse 8 the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sounds, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. 
So, it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Pastor John reminded us, that's the kind of nature we share today. If you are born again, you are born of the Spirit. You don't need to be limited by what time determines in your life. Let me invite you to stand up this morning. You know, when I was preparing this message, I was wondering why people feel so limited by time. Why people feel so discouraged as age comes. Not everybody, but a lot of people. It is because of conscience, of God's wrath, instead of God's love and mercy. If you, le if you read Psalm 90, the psalm that we read in the opening of this message, that our God is from everlasting to everlasting, you also find Moses very depressing, very sad. He says in verse 9, for all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our ears to an end like a sight. The years of our life are 70 and even by reason of strength 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Why Moses was writing this? Because he was aware of God's wrath. While actually we can be conscious of God's mercy and grace. And when we are conscious of God's grace, we change our nature. We are like the wind, not to fly away and waste our life and expect worse days in the future. We are expecting to be used by God and be mighty used in authority to pray and see things taking place as we cry out before the Lord. When we partner with the Father to find the prodigals, we're going to see this urgency of God taking place in our hearts as well. When the prodigal gave sight, sign to return, the Bible says that while the son was still long a way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him. God is running to save. God is using feet and hands on this earth to run after the prodigals and when we do that can I dare to resound the words of Apostle Peter we haste the return of Christ we accelerate even the return of Christ no 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 pastor now you now you go so far away no 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 I'm just repeating what the Apostle said when we are instruments of salvation, when we make a decision every week, God, I want to be an instrument of your love. I want to be an instrument of salvation in my workplace. God, create an opportunity for me to bring the good news of salvation in my class, in my uh, school, in my college. God, create an opportunity for me to be this prophet that proclaims that rain is coming, that salvation is here. Peter said, First, second Peter 3 
but do not overlook this one fact beloved that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years in a thousand year as one day Psalm 90 he's just quoting Psalm 90 the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but is patient toward you not wishing that you should perish but all should reach repentance